In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in each week. And we have listeners from all over the world. Now, if you're new to this show, let me tell you what this show is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact, globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. In this series, you can get great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net. And when you send me an email, let me know what you want to hear about. We cover a variety of subjects on the show, and I'd like to hear from you and hear what you want to hear about. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we will make sure you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's episode. Um... I just came back from a Silicon Valley tour, and I spent um, one day looking at fintech. And I have to say, you, you know, tell my listeners, there's a lot of talk in the financial industry today about transition and technology, and for good reasons. There's a change going on, and not only in how we spend money and save money, but also just about how we think about money. From movements like cash will disappear to bitcoins to the explosion of fintech, if there is one industry that will transform in the future, and that is banking. Now, to stay competitive, banks are investing millions of dollars into technology to digitalize nearly every aspect of their businesses. But it's not only about technology. It's about the customer. Customer demand has changed. And it's not only for high-tech services, but it's also for more connectivity on financial management apps and better and more customer services that make it easier for the customer. And why is this happening? Well, one reason is the customer is changing. This is happening because the customer profile from millennials to Generation Z is absolutely changing. And banks need to be high-performing to win and keep these customers in the long term. Looking at the Gen Z behavior, the lifetime customer a bank had in the past may be redefined to the customer of the moment as this generation changes banks like they change shoes, if they even use a bank. So how can the financial sector ensure they stay ahead of the game and how can they find opportunities in this time of transition? 
Also, what can other business sectors learn from the turbulent banking sector? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And our guest is an expert in this sector. Vic Levesque is a former banking executive and current executive coach focusing in the banking sector. He has a variety of management positions at Bank of Boston, Key Bank, Santander Bank, and was a managing director for the U.S. Financial Services Division of CGI, a global technology company for which he directed strategic consolidation and projects for the financial services sector. His most recent venture was Senior Vice President of Corporate Banking for Northway Bank. In all these positions, he interacted and directed teams in the engagement of the bank's middle market corporate clients in a variety of different industries from healthcare, manufacturing to technology. His work has primarily focused on the development of client financing solutions, including commercial lending, capital restructuring, and financial treasury systems. He is the president of Core Beacon Group, a professional executive coaching firm focused on the development of strategic leadership programs in the financial services sector. And he is the author of the book, The Seven Obsessions of High-Performing Banks. And this book is available on Amazon and on his website. And he is currently working on a second book dealing with leadership performance. So Vic, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kim. It's a pleasure spending this time with you. So thank you for having me. So um, Vic, you've been in all these positions and then you wrote this book. So um, why write this book now? Well, I, I think um, to me, there's no better time to write a book like this for several reasons. Uh, lest we forget, we're just about 10 years out from probably the worst recession many of us will ever see. And this was very disruptive, right? Uh, I, In fact, the joke at the time is I remember being in hallways, having conversations with my colleagues, asking how our 201ks were performing, because most of us are a decline in those values of 50 and 60%. I mean, this, this particular cycle in 2008, 2009 changed, changed the game. Almost every bank took their eyes off the customer and shifted their focus more on compliance and um, just basically uh, focusing on their internal operations. So um, I think the period between 2008 and 2012 there were 600 banks in the United States that actually disappeared. They just closed. So this was a major disruptor. Now, just as consumer trust was beginning to come back, uh, we, had the, we had the situation with Wells Fargo. Uh, here was a premier bank that was considered to be a top-performing bank for years, well-run bank. This bank uh, was found guilty of opening up millions of fictitious accounts on behalf of customers without their consent. And this resulted in the firing of the CEO. I think five, between five and six thousand employees were fired, and they were fined hundreds of millions of, of hundreds of millions of dollars. So, uh, you know, consumer trust and confidence in banks was at an all-time low. It has come back a little bit, but it's nowhere as near where it was before the this recession. Now, when you consider that backdrop, there's a couple of developments here that have really changed the landscape forever. Uh, one of a couple of which you've already mentioned in your opening remarks, and one of them is the advancement of digital technology. We know that this has changed the way we do business and certainly has changed the way banks relate to their customers. And related to that is this this emerging industry that we lovingly refer to as fintech. These are technology companies, and bear in mind they're not really all that regulated. 
but these companies are creating the banking of, of the future. This has been a major disruptor to the banking industry. And we have, um, you know, today it's also not, not uncommon where you have 20-year-olds and 70-year-olds working for the same company. So we have this multi-generational influence that's impacting our labor market and also impacting the customers we do business with. So when you add all this stuff up, it's left a lot of banks. It, to me, it, it's created what I call the great disconnect. Um, banks really are finding that their organizational models that they've had uh, and the management styles that they've had aren't working as well as they did in the past. They, they're not prepared to deal with these new challenges. So for me, this book is timely because it provides basically an option or an alternative for today's bankers to take a path to reprioritize their focus and re-engage in ways that can differentiate themselves in the eyes of their customer. So that's why I think this book is timely, and I, I think it's a good read. Mm -hmm. And Vic, I just came up with a question here. Um, when you talked about the fintech disruption and taking the banks taking their eyes off the customer and, and focusing on compliance, um, I, you know, in my recent trip, what I saw about a lot of the fintech, the fintech is really focused or focused on customers because it's always trying to make something easy for the customer. Um, do you think that was also a motivator to push banks into trying to become more service oriented? Well, you have to remember, too, fintech as an industry is relatively new. Probably in the last 10 years, this has really emerged. These companies emerged without the legacy systems that a lot of these banks have, right? In other words, they, they're, they're, a lot of these companies are new companies. They're de novo companies. They're not, they don't have the baggage of old legacy technology systems or organizational models. Mm. Banks, you know, in the 20th century, the most common organizational structure in bank was a typical hierarchy where you have a CEO who had direct reports. Those direct reports had direct reports. And the flow, in, the flow of information was up and down. It took a long time, for, and it still does, for a lot of banks to make decisions. Then you've got these technology companies that are nimble. They're agile. Uh, they've got current technology platforms. So I think... I think banks are trying to find a way to react to this, and they're they're having some difficulty. Most banks, most bankers that I know and that I work with, are really confused. They they don't know how to react to this, uh, and even if they knew, even if they knew how to react, they don't know how to implement the changes necessary to really incorporate uh, this this new business. Some banks are actually aligning themselves with these fintech companies mm -hmm. as an alliance to be able to better serve their customers. So I do think. You know, the fintech industry has that advantage over many, many banks. Mm -hmm. And um, looking at that, the banks that are trying to, to focus on customer service, and you talk in your book about the seven obsessions of high-performing banks. So just uh, at a high level first, what, what are those obsessions? All right. Well, obviously, I spent a whole book on them, so I, I'll try to be quick yeah. here. But let me just rattle these off. Obviously, the first one is what we've been talking about is customer centricity. And this is really having an unrelenting focus on making the customer the center of everything that they do. Another one I talk about is organizational health or organizational integrity. Uh, I don't mean financial health here. I mean, basically, the alignment between strategy and culture and the alignment of the culture with a clear vision and mission of, of the company. Um, one of the obsessions that I have discovered with a lot of the top performing banks is their ability to be transformative. Um, and I, I, I refer this to, I refer to this as the obsession, the obsession of, uh, of, uh, transformational capacity 
the operative word there is capacity, which means you're in a state of readiness to take better advantage of opportunities and be able to see what needs to be changed and then take the action that actually needs to be that needs to be taken. Uh, we talk a lot in this book about teams. I think we all know uh, how teams, when they're leveraged correctly, can produce really good results, particularly in high performers where they encourage a spirit of trust and collaboration. Um, another obsession or discipline is process optimization, which I talk about a little bit in this book, and that really is the continuous challenging of the status quo. Um, execution, which is an art of getting things done, um, a lot of research behind this, uh, that's one of the obsessions, and then finally, the ability to know what to measure uh, and manage. I talk about performance measurement. I think that's seven, um, but these, these, yeah. really stuck out, these really stuck out with the high performers that we studied. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, with these sevens, we're going to talk a little about about them a little bit more in detail, but from any of the seven, do you think one is more important than the other? Are they pretty equal um, of importance? The way way I would answer that, they're all important, but I think the most important thing is to know where to start with these things. And I I would have to go to the the organizational integrity of the bank or, or the company. And this is where we talk about five or six really key things, and they go right to the heart of vision and missions. You know, so when I work with executives, I ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, because these visions and mission statements probably haven't been revisited for 10 or 15 years. They've just become old. Um, and we talk about how are you going to behave? Are you behaving consistent with your value system? And as a strategy you have consistent with, so, so basically the ability to get all these things aligned, um, when they're not aligned, there are cracks in the foundation. When they are aligned, you're a healthier organization and therefore more apt to achieve some of your performance objectives. Okay. And I'd like to come back. We're going to take a short break, Vic. And um, when we come back, I'd like to talk about that alignment and um, a little bit more about how, how you go about doing that with the companies that your banks you're working with. But we are going to take a short break right now. And for our listeners, we are talking with Vic Levesque, and he's a former banking executive and current executive coach focusing in the banking sector. And he is the president of Core Beacon Group, a professional executive coaching firm focused on the development of strategic leadership programs in the financial services sector. Now, he is the author of The Seven Obsessions of High Performance Banks, and this is available on Amazon and also on his website. And he's currently working on a second book on leadership performance. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Vic, you can go to his website under www corebeacongroup.com and you can also reach out to Vic on LinkedIn and it's under Victor Levesque and I'll spell that it's L-E-V-E-S-Q-U-E okay and please reach out to Vic he's willing to answer any questions you have and engage in a conversation on banking with you and I'm your host Kimberly Lewis uh, leadership and business expert you can contact me uh, with comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. This broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda holds digital conferences in Europe and the next conference will be held in May 24th to 26th in Berlin. For more information on that, go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today we are speaking with Vic Levesque, and he's a former banking executive and current executive coach focusing in the banking sector. And he is also the author of The Seven Obsessions of High Performance Banks, and this book is available on Amazon and on his website. Now, um, Vic, before the break, you um you were talking about the seven obsessions and we talked we we named the seven obsessions and you talked about alignment as being you know aligning these obsessions um i want to go back to your book for a minute because you also talk in your book about seven obsessions but you also talk about when you're looking at the bank you have to look at the three dimensions in the bank um and i imagine that aligns with these obsessions can you talk a little bit about that uh, sure. And, and specifically, it's three dimensions of performance. And I, I needed to do this research and study high performance. I needed a jumping off place. So I needed to create a context from which I could do this research and uh, and come up with these concepts. So naturally, the first place to begin was the operational context or the operational dimension of any business. So this is this is sort of the hard knock stuff, right? It's specific mm-hmm. to the job or the industry. In banking, it happens to be the technical competency that's required, the specific operating knowledge to actually run a bank and to perform the jo- jobs to, to perform uh, as a bank. So that, they're very specific. And when I looked at all these banks, I mean, you know, all banks have to deal with issues of cybersecurity, capital adequacy, asset quality. All banks are doing that. And despite the fact that banks have all different kinds of metrics, it was difficult to see any differentiating feature among that operational dimension. So I knew I needed a second one. And the next logical place to go was the strategic uh, 
culture, the, strate- the strategic dimension. This is where banks can begin to differentiate themselves because in this particular context, we talk about what markets they want to be in, what customers they want to do business with, what alliances they need to uh, create. Uh, we get into delivery channels and pricing, the types of things that really strategically differentiate banks. But interestingly, what I found, strategy alone did not account for high performance. It did account for spurts of performance. You know, basically, if somebody hit on a good strategy and was actually good at executing it, it might have had a good impact for a year or two. But it wasn't sustainable. I needed to come up with things that really kind of really hit on the things that I was seeing that was differentiating the high performers. For example, um, you might find some banks with a slightly higher risk tolerance than others. Uh, you might find banks that are probably leaning more toward an adhocracy kind of culture versus a hierarchy. And just for your listeners, an adhocracy climate or culture is one that is considered to be a little bit more risk-taking, uh, which is difficult if you think about it, very difficult to be that way in a bank. But I did find banks that were more creative um, than other banks. So this is really relating to the philosophical orientation. Another aspect of this is how these high performers make decisions and how information flows within the organization. And then thirdly, of course, is politics. You know, in every organization is politics because, and it's important because politics in, in a company, in, a, in this case a bank, really assigns power and authority. And we know that how influential that is. So these these types of things were a little bit more squishy. They're they're, they're not that tangible. Um, and the one word that sums this up is culture. So if you add all these up, the operational context, the strategic context, and the cultural context, that was the contextual the the contextual platform from which these seven obsessions emerged. If that makes sense. So these seven obsessions are related based on that context within which um, they they were self-emerging. No, that make that makes a lot of sense. And and if I just look at taking the strategic and the cultural, okay, as you said, one of the first things you look at is the alignment. You know, the vision and mission statement, um, which to me kind of goes in strategic, also as well as cultural. You know, where right. do you want to be when you grow up? So um, how, how I, I mean. How do banks work with that? Okay, so when you're trying to align these seven obsessions to these these dimensions, how do we go about doing that? Well, many banks are so busy with the whirlwind of their day, um, and this is can, this can be said of most companies and most industries today. Right, we're overloaded with so much data that we really don't know how to focus on things, and that's. I think in my in my uh, experience as a coach, I'm finding many banks are distracted from doing from being more strategic and applying critical thinking. So how you do that is to cause them to go back and revisit these things that they take for granted, such as a vision, uh, a vision and a mission statement. These are things that don't get talked about much anymore because. What happens is at some point in a, uh, in a bank's history, they spent considerable time with a consultant developing their vision and mission statement. They had it laminated and put up on a wall, and there's <laughs> dust collecting yeah. on it. And, ha- and they haven't revisited it for 10 or 15 years, yet the environment's changed. Things are different today. So, you know, and, and the analogy I use is think about a poorly constructed foundation of a bridge, one that needs repair uh, and attention. It jeopardizes the well-being of the structure. Same thing with organization. That's why I refer to this obsession, one of these obsessions, as organizational integrity. Mm-hmm. The, hell, the more aligned these things are with strategy and culture, 
um, then the healthier the organization is. The healthier the organization is, the more it can achieve. It can achieve things quicker and it can be more effective. So this alignment is really important. It's the basis of all the other of all the other disciplines of performance. So it's very important. And part of that, if I'm looking at the, the seven obsessions that you talk about transformation, and we're talking about banking as a legacy business, um, and look look what happened to newspapers, okay, as far as the transformation to digital right. and, and doing it too too late, too little too late, okay? So um, how, uh, when you're working on this, I think of transformation as probably, you know, it's all three, operational, strategical, and cultural. Um, how do you move, help banks move in a certain direction? Or how do you help them engage in transformation? Well, I, I can tell you, uh, I, just from my personal experience as a coach, what I do, uh, there's one key practice that's really lacking. Uh, and, I, and I know this because with the clients that I work with, we, we find ourselves going back to basics. But if there's one key discipline that I would, that I would um, suggest is really important in being able, and by the way, the word transformation is kind of an overused word, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why I focus on the word capacity versus transformation. But, mm-hmm. here's, but here's the key discipline, okay? The key discipline is asking three questions, three cr- critical questions in transformation. And the first one is what? In other words, what is it that you think you want to transform? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I put that word in parentheticals. What is it that you think you want to change? You know, and and um, and what I do with my clients is I subject that question to the rules of goal setting. Well, I think most of most of us are familiar with the acronym, the SMART acronym, mm-hmm. uh, so that when you define the goal, you're specific. You also have ways to measure it. Um, and it's achievable, meaning you've got the resources to actually achieve this change or this transformation and that it's relevant and it's time bound. So that's that smart. So I, I challenge my clients to actually define what it is they think they want to change using that methodology. Then they have to declare it. OK, so that's the first question. The second question is, why do you want to do it? What's the reason? What do you expect to accomplish? What do you expect the outcome to be and what will happen if you don't do it? So we really do some critical thinking around this. This goes right to the heart of the purpose. Without purpose, change is unnecessary. And when you can't see the reason for change, then you won't change. It's that simple. And then the third question is how. You know, once you've established what it is you want to transform and why you want to transform it, how are you going to do it? Most most attempts at, at executing or, or project initiatives fail because the leaders don't have a framework. And you really need a framework. There are many available. Uh, the Cotter model is a popular one that I use uh, in some of my engagements. But the framework's important because it keeps you on task and it allows you to avoid the, it, it allows you to avoid the roadblocks and, um, and, uh, and the obstacles. So th- those three questions are critical. I think in my work, how I help people uh, envision transformation is to focus on those three critical questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, that make that makes a lot of sense. And um, when in that transformation, I want to come back to organizational integrity because that that um, was an important point that you bring up. Mm-hmm. How, how how much does trust play into this whole factor when you when when you, the banks are tr- you know transforming and trying to become customer centric um, where does trust play a role oh okay well that, to me that's an easy one right? and it starts mm-hmm. with it starts with the premise that high performance is about results mm-hmm. and results is a function of accountability but the problem with accountability 
is, and there's a lot of research that supports this, is that most of us are not good at holding ourselves accountable. And there's a reason for that. Okay, most of us as humans, we don't like conflict. We don't like things that make us uncomfortable. And being accountable, being accountable means more than just recognizing success and rewarding performance. It means you have to confront the elephant in the room. You have to have the tough conversations. You know, and to do that, we have to be vulnerable. And as humans, we don't like that. Uh, conflict causes stress and tension. Um, and you know, Patrick Lencioni has written. Uh, mm. Patrick Lencioni has written has, has created a business around this concept of trust. Trust is the underlying foundation. You know, I find high high trusting organizations can get a lot more done than than companies that don't have that level of trust. Um, because it allows them to overcome these things and deal with the truth and basically wrestle with conflict. They don't have to embrace it, but they do have to confront it. And by doing that, they can be much more accountable and achieve results that they wouldn't be able to otherwise do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Lencioni, um, absolutely, the foundation of trusts. And um, when when we're talking about that and talking about trust, uh, I want to come back to the fact that that banking is also kind of what what a legacy business. So when you're dealing with a legacy business and you're talking about these seven obsessions, okay, um, and we have the these three areas: operational, strategic, and cultural. What in in a legacy business such as banking, what is probably the most difficult to move, okay, um, forward when you're when you're starting to work with a with a bank? Well, <clears throat> I would say it's the mindset. Um, mm-hmm. Before you even get to the technology piece, before you get to the object of change, you really need to sit down and have a heart to heart exploration uh, among the senior leaders of the company. I think. Um, you know, if, if you have naysayers or if you have distractors, I think that's where you need to start focusing your time because you'll find that, that if, you, if you launch too quickly into changing your so-called legacy platforms, um, there's a book, and, I, and forgive me, I can't remember the reference to a book, but there's a lot, of, a lot of research being done now in terms of digital technology in banking in particular, you know, a lot of banks are trying to create this virtual bank for their customers, but unfortunately, they're very limited in the way they perceive this. They see it more as a technology project when, in fact, it's a cultural mm-hmm. project. So you really need to focus on the cultural orientation. You know, I, I think no matter what somebody says or what they write, what they do is really what their culture is. So the place you have to begin in terms of converting what is a legacy platform into a, into a more creative platform is beginning with the mindset. And that requires some critical thinking. Uh, and I think it's important to be able to encourage that. Um, you know, most bankers, like most people, are in a hurry, right? We can't mm-hmm. get things done quick enough. So there's not a lot of patience to spend time on this, yet it's foundational. And there needs to be there needs to be a, a lot more focus on this particular part of the whole process. Mm-hmm. And and that I think what you said on legacy we're talking about legacy platforms, but legacy mindset or legacy culture. And um, we're going to take another short break, and I want to come back to that because I want to really talk to you about you know the leadership and the team and 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 how you start to change that mindset. 
um, to move companies forward and how we might learn from the banking industry um, for other businesses. So we're going to take a short break. And for our listeners, we are talking with Vic Levesque, and he's a former banking executive and current executive coach focusing in the banking sector. He is the president of Core Beacon Group, a professional executive coaching firm focused on the development of strategic leadership programs in the financial services sector. He is also the author of The Seven Obsessions of High-Performing Banks, and this book is available on Amazon and on his website. And he's currently working on a second book on leadership performance. Now, to reach out to Vic, please go to his website, www.corebeacongroup.com, or on LinkedIn under Victor Levesque, and that's L-E-V-E-S-Q-U-E. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, leadership and business expert, your host. You can contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. This broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda holds conferences in Europe and the next conference will be held in May 24th to 26th in Berlin. For more information on that, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we are talking with Vic Levesque, and he's a former banking executive and current executive coach focusing in the banking sector. And he's also the author of the book, Seven Obsessions of Hive Performance Banks. And this book is available on Amazon and on his website. Now, Vic, um, before the break, we were talking about changing, you know, legacy companies. And I have a really 
important question to you because, you know, they always say the 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 fish stinks from the head. Okay, mm-hmm. so how critical is it to get your executive team and your head, your uh, your executive management, your CEO, your leadership involved in this? Well, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not easy because you're dealing with this legacy of mindset. So, you know, it's sort of like the, you, you may as well ask the question: How do you change someone's mind? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I, I think initially, as you begin an engagement uh, to, and and these engagements, at least the ones I work on, all have one thing in common, and that and that is to improve performance. Right? That's the mm-hmm. common objective that everybody has. They want to. They want to be more effective, they want to be more efficient, everybody wants to improve their performance. Um, and, and by the way, you know, it, there are literally thousands of books with, the, with, with titles with the word leadership in them. So you mm. and I, and we can all go yeah. and learn about leadership, but, um, but it's, to me, it's not what we know, it's what we do. So, but, but in terms of changing somebody's mind, I, I think it's, it's, you know, I think there's a lot of soul searching that has to happen here. Um, and I think there, I think whatever you um, aim to accomplish in the interest of improving performance has to be relatively consistent with the organizational DNA, uh, which is the cultural predisposition of the company. It's very difficult to change a culture. It's easier to change a technology platform or mm-hmm. strategy. Um, or a market that you want to go in. Uh, making a decision about acquiring or merging is easier than actually changing a culture. Very difficult. Uh, you're trying to change people's minds. So um, what I do in my practice is I focus on habits uh, because I'm, you know, I, I believe it's not about how smart we are. It's not even about how socially adept we are. It's really about the behavioral patterns we bring to work every day. So um, I, I don't think there's an easy answer to that question. I don't think there's a universal answer to that question. I think every situation is different, but it has to, it has to be focused on being able to what, whatever somebody wants to do in the interest of improving their performance is a lot easier to do when it's relatively consistent with their predisposed cultural, uh, and philosophical orientation. Mm-hmm. And when you're going into a bank and working with the leader, okay, um, and you're, this is a transition, what are you seeing in the banking industry as some of the qualities that that leader has to bring to the table in order to, to make these transitions? Ooh, um, there's a there's a lot of answers to this. I, I Brendan Burchard just wrote a book. I think it came out last year, called High Performance Habits. He talks about personal qualities of leaders, mm-hmm. and um, and I have I have my own a couple of of which uh, he talks about, but I have my own that I've discovered in my own career, and particularly as a coach. And I and I would say at the very top of the list, it has to be courage. Um, and I'll, and, and particularly in banking, this is really important. Okay, banks um, are highly regulated, not unlike the healthcare industry, not unlike the utility industry. Highly regulated. Um, banks typically are aligned in a hierarchical command um, command structure. You know, basically command and control. So it's very difficult to be creative. Um, it requires challenging the status quo. And in banking, that's heresy. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to do. It's hard to do that because it means you have to ask tough questions and you have to try new things. Nothing great 
ever got done without challenging the status quo. So courage, I think, is really important. It's an important quality, and it's one, I think, that is really at the top of the list for, for leaders to be able to, to embrace. Another one is, of course, and we've all heard this, clear vision. It's two words, right? Vision is one, but it mm-hmm. has to be clear. It's not enough that you have a vision. It has to be clear. So I refer to that as clarity of vision. I think that quality of a leader is extremely important, which leads to a third quality. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, you have to have the ability to communicate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're not a leader unless you can influence others. So you have to build strong relationships and you have to be able to communicate your vision and you have to be able to do it regularly and repetitively. Um, and then lastly, I guess I would say to that question, Kim, would be awareness. Um, I work mm-hmm. with a lot of leaders that simply, they're not all that aware of what's going on around them. Um, they're not aware of the environment. They're not particularly aware of the impact they're having. Um, so I think awareness is, is also important. And, and those are just a few. Obviously, we can go on. There, there, are, some, there are a lot of qualities but for me, those those three or four qualities are really important. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. You can go on and on leadership and of the qualities, but I think you hit it. Courage. I agree with you 100%, regardless of what industry is, and awareness. I'm um, really all four that you have said, and these four actually impact then how the teams perform underneath them. And that's a quick uh, question I want to ask you in your comment on high-performing teams because we have what what Hawkins says in systemic team coaching and watching the entire systemic um, environment. And then we have Lencioni who bases on trust. What's what's your take on, on uh, high-performing teams, trying to get high-performing teams? Sure. Well, I think we all know that high-performing teams can – can do a lot more than companies that don't that don't know how to leverage teams. But I, I think uh, you know banks who know how to leverage teams can not only get more things done, uh, but they are more effective because they invite a broader perspective of opinions and experiences, and they benefit from that collaboration of various complementary skills. And by the way, I did hear the interview that you did with Peter Hawkins a few weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really yeah. liked what you said. He talked about this collective purpose and this commissioning of the team. I mean, you know, there are a lot of characteristics of teams, right? Uh, but one of my frustrations as a team leader has been, no matter how hard you try to create a team, you know, if, if, if you try to move forward and try to create all those characteristics and traits of a team and you haven't dealt with the systemic trust issues, you're going to have mm-hmm. a hard time acting like a team. Mm-hmm. So to me, it, it's all all of these things are very, very highly integrated and highly interrelated. Uh, you know, you need to have that trust. And it starts with it starts with things as simple. And we've all heard it before. Things as simple as being benevolent. You know, uh, I think people are looking for authenticity today. It's really lacking in a lot of cases. Um, And I think having the ability, which means having the right people on the team, um, Mm -hmm. which means you you need to have the right cognitive ability, the right interpersonal skills, the right technical skills. If you don't, then as a team leader, you have a responsibility of making, and sometimes these are tough decisions, but you have to make those tough decisions and make some adjustments sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't know if that answered the question, but yeah, I, I, it did. It did. Yeah. It did. It did. Really, um, you know. And and um, when when you're talking about trust, I think another one, um, you know, is is there's a few books out there, John Bakley, about trust and what you said was was very important. Um, 
but we're getting we're getting towards the end of our our um, talk today, Vic. And this is that we could probably go on for another hour. But I want to <laughs> I want to we're talking about banks. But I just want to your take is this is not just about banks. I mean, what I'm hearing here is pretty much could be translated into any industry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, your comments on that? Are you working with any other people outside of banks, and what have you seen in other industries, and and how can that maybe be transitioned? Oh, sure. Well, I have a couple of non-bank clients. I I, I do focus in banking because it's been you know obviously I've devoted. 35 years of my life to it. So, but I do have non-bank clients and a lot of the stuff that we're working on in banks is very generic to, to, um, to other types of industries. And, and there are some key things that are really commonplace, you know, and I, you know, my, I think if there are some takeaways or some lessons, I would say if, if you're not already doing it as a leader or as an executive or as an up and coming leader is you really need to sharpen your focus. I, I think all of us or most of us are familiar with the, the 19th century Italian engineer, Vilfredo Pareto, right? He gave mm-hmm. us the 80-20 rule. 80% right. of, your, of your quality problems relate to 20% of the tasks or 20% of your marketing efforts produce 80% of the sales or 20% of your employees produce 80% of the results. If you can figure out what that 20% is, you'll be, you'll be a step ahead of your, of your competition. So sharpening your focus on this one thing, and, and I'll tell you, you know, Gary Keller wrote uh, a book that came out last year called The One Thing. Uh, not too long after that, Greg McCowan wrote a book called Essentialism. These are New York Times bestsellers, and they're bestsellers for a reason. We're not very good at prioritizing. We're not really all that good on focusing on one thing, the real big thing. So that, to me, is a takeaway for any industry, not just banking. Um, and the other thing, too, uh, you know, it's been interesting. Uh, we might think that technical uh, competency makes a big difference. And while it may be true, depending on the industry, I, I think it was Marshall Goldsmith that said, behavioral, behavioral problems, not technical skills, separate the great from the non-great. You know, if you have two companies that do the same thing with the same amount of talent, and the same resources, what's the one thing that makes them different? It's the habits and the human behavior that we bring into our jobs every day. Um, mm-hmm. And how do we deal with these natural dysfunctions that are caused by our biases and everything else? Yeah. So how we manage these competing values can either impede our journey to, to get better or they can propel us to greater achievement. So I do think that that's a lesson that's not unique to banking. I think uh, there can be a lot of takeaways for any industry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good for all our leaders listening there because we can learn a lot from the banking industry because it is it is an industry that is greatly in transition right now. It's, it was in disruption. And um, as we get to the end, for our executives in banking, Vic, um, if you have one message for them or one or two messages for them in this financial sector, what would that be? Well, my first one would be hit the pause button if you haven't already done that. I think in a world that's so busy and so complex and so overloaded, we get so wrapped up in the day-to-day fire drills that we don't know how to think strategically anymore. Sometimes we just have to hit the pause button, take a step back, and hit this reflection point. I think it's really important to do some analysis and some soul-searching and reevaluate where you're going and, and what you want to do. And it's important. The second one is to to just pick a path, make a decision. Um, if you want to maintain the status quo, fine, just, just pick it and commit mm-hmm. to it. Or if you want to improve something, commit to it and declare it. 
the more public you are in your declaration, the more uh, the more ease you're going to have to facilitate the accomplishment of what you want to do. Um, and then the last thing I might suggest to my to my banking colleagues is is a customer centric culture. Most bankers I talk to think they already are customer centric, <laughs> but they're not. Um, you know, it's not about advocating your products and promoting your your branches and everything else it's it's taking a more inquisitive approach and start learning from your customers and te- instead of telling or st- instead of assuming you know what your customers want so it's really about educating yourself on their preferences and their needs get to know your customers better than your next best competitor and you'll be one step ahead so i think those are the kind of the quick messages i might suggest to some of my my banking friends and I, and I think that's a great way to end. And Vic, thank you so much. This has been great. And for our listeners, we have been speaking with Vic Levesque, and he's a former banking executive and current executive coach focusing in the banking sector. He is the president of Core Beacon Group, a professional executive coaching firm focused on the development of strategic leadership programs within the financial services sector. He's also the author of Seven Obsessions of High-Performing Banks, and this is available on Amazon and on his website. And he's currently working on a second book, on leadership performance. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Vic, please go to his website as www.corebeacongroup.com or go to his LinkedIn, which is under Victor Levesque, and it's L-E-V-E-S-Q-U-E. So please reach out to Vic. And Vic, one more time, thank you so much for being with us and taking the time today. Oh, thank you, Kim. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And listeners, please tune in to us each week. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Now, this broadcast has also been brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda holds digital conferences in Europe, and the next conference will be held in May 24th to 26th in Berlin. And we will be covering, Cinda will be covering some fintech at that conference. So for more information, go to www.cinda.org under events, localcom 2020. Now, Leadership Beyond Borders is also brought to you by the Women's Leadership Academy 2020, which specializes in diversity and C-level leadership programs for women. You can get more information by call, by sending an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now, please remember, tune in to us each week, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. specific time. You can follow us on Facebook. You can go to our website, and you can hear us on Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes. And with that, I'm going to say thank you for listening this week, and tune in again next week. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.